Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. We're going to look at uh, Daniel. Uh, Dare to be a Daniel. Daniel chapter 6. And this is the chapter that deals with Daniel in the lion's den. And that's not particularly where I'm aiming at this morning. But uh, you, know the, you know the story. So because you know the story, I'll not ask you to tell me the story, but I'll read just a flavor of verses which tunes us into particularly what I want to be looking at. Daniel chapter 6. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. What's a satrap? Satrap is a provisional governor to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. But particularly looking at that this morning, an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors, advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into a den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Then verse 11. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Verse 16. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Verse 21. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth. So that they have not hurt me, because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him, and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury was found on him, because he believed in his God. And then lastly, verse 28. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius... And in the reign of Cyrus, 
uh, the Persian. And uh, God will bless uh, the reading of his uh, word. I want to talk on the subject this morning, an excellent spirit. An excellent spirit. That's the phrase that they used about Daniel, and that's the phrase I want to look at, an excellent spirit. Ever since Susan was talking on, on the church anniversary, and it being 14 years, 14 years is great, 15 years is going to be really good. So we'll do some things rather special on the 15th uh, year. But ever since the beginning of the church, we wanted to have a spirit of excellence uh, about the Freedom Center, uh, subsequently about Love Preston, Lydia House Trust, that in everything that we do, and as we serve the community, as we serve God this morning, and whatever we do for him and, and on his behalf would have on it a spirit of excellence, whether it's the Freedom Kids, Freedom Tots, uh, Mums and Tots, I've forgotten the name of it, what's the name again? Bounce and Rhyme. Sounds a great title. And, and all these other things that we do, the drop-in, everything that we do, would be done in a spirit of excellence. So that when people receive our blessings, in whatever way we bless them, they can see a God who is excellent. Uh, and sometimes people appreciate that in the Christian church. And some people, sometimes people criticize it. I personally think that when you do God's work and you do it on his behalf, it should be something excellent about it. Um, But that's not always appreciated. Uh, Laziness does not always appreciate (laughs) excellence. Slothfulness often just can't be bothered. And uh, a just enough spirit will do just enough for God. But when we serve God, we should serve him with our best. That's why we talk about giving our first fruits. He wants to see where he lies in the importance in our lives. Is he first or is he third or fifth or last or doesn't exist at all? And Because we serve a God of uh, more than enough. Don't we? That's his heart for, to me and to you. He wants to give you more than enough. And often as Christians, we live in as long as we have just enough. But God's a God of more than enough. And if you don't believe me and you're a bit suspicious about that, then check out uh, his very first miracle about excellence and about uh, plenty. He, 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 he gave them the best wine. He didn't give them a, a, you know, one of these sort of ciders that are a bit, a bit off, you know. Uh, he didn't give them some sort of diluted apple juice either, just in case, you know, uh, you think that he gave them something a bit sort of dodgy, out of date. He gave, them, he gave them the best wine. He gave them more than enough. Check out the feeding of the 5,000. Didn't just give them enough, just to... Give them enough to get them home and that they can have a real meal when they get back. No, he, he gave them more than enough. He gave them 12 basketfuls that were left over from his more than enough feeding. And then when he fed the 4,000, he did it again. Seven basketfuls more. 
He's a God of more than enough. Check out Jesus on the cross. He, his death d- didn't just barely cover your sin. So if you've been a little bit worse, no chance. His death and his blood covered more than enough. Every sin. Sins that you wouldn't even think about doing, he covered them. Sins that you think, that's unforgivable. How any man or any woman could do that to any boy, girl, young person, older person, in a nursing home, in a cradle, whatever, whatever you can think of, perhaps you don't want to think about it, his blood covered all of that. Because his blood was more than enough. So you begin to pick up, this is an excellent God who does more than often we expect. And Daniel was like that. Daniel was a man who went the extra mile. You know the motivational phrase? And uh, he says, go the extra mile, it's never crowded. One person understands that. Go the extra mile because it's never crowded. And it never is. Down the bottom of the hills in the Lake District, there's loads of people walking about in the car park, got all the boots on and the rucksacks. And the, oh, you know, there are plenty of people around. You go up to the top and just see how many people you come across there. Because that's different. That's a different. Well, no, we, didn't, we couldn't feel led to go quite that far. Or we didn't have the strength. Or we didn't have this. Or we didn't have that. But if you are going to have a spirit of excellence, you are going to decide, I'm going to go the extra mile. So I want to look at what it was about Daniel and what we can see about Daniel that they described him as having an excellent spirit. I think it's wonderful when somebody who doesn't know Jesus looks at somebody who does know Jesus and says, there's something excellent about them. What is it? I can't quite get my hand. What is it about you? You you just have a, a spirit of excellence. What is it? And so this is what they were saying about Daniel. He, he had an excellent spirit. Because if we can find what it was about Daniel that made him excellent, then in my simple mind, we can do what Daniel did and we can get what Daniel got. Apart from the lions. <laughs> you understand? Yeah. Okay. Daniel served a king who was 62. He was uh, a year or two older than me. Uh, he'd taken over from Belshazzar. If you remember, Belshazzar was the king that had made Daniel the third ruler in his kingdom. And Belshazzar had previously sent for Daniel in chapter 5 because, why did he send for him? Because he had the Spirit of God in him. Again, he was recognized by the previous king. And he, if you remember, wanted the writing on the wall interpreted. Do you remember? One or two do. And uh, he says, can you tell me what this says? He says, and I'll give you a whole lot of things if you can tell me what the interpretation of that writing is. And if you remember, uh, the, the writing says... To the king, 
you've been weighed in the balances and you have been found wanting. So your kingdom has been divided and given up to the Medes and the Persians. And so that night, two things happened. Previous king Belshazzar decided he would clothe Daniel with purple and gold and make him the third ruler of his kingdom. All because he interpreted what was there. Excellence brings rewards. And suddenly, Daniel was promoted. But secondly, it came true. The prophecy came true. Belshazzar was slain and he died. That was a quite a specific direct prophecy. It wasn't God loves you and God cares for you and God will always be there for you type prophecy. This, this was a direct word heavy prophecy. And it was immediately after that event that he died that Darius, who we read about, became king. And he decided to rule through three national governors and 120 provisional governors. And Daniel decided Daniel was to be one of the top three governors. And of that three, Daniel was to be number one. Why was he number one? Because an excellent spirit was in him. So he was right at the very top of society because he had a different spirit to his contemporaries. Something different about him. Belshazzar, the previous king's wife, had said to the king, then king, there's a man in your kingdom in whom the spirit of the holy God resides. The holy God is within this guy. So connect with this guy. Numbers 14, verse 24 Caleb is described by God as having a different spirit because he followed God fully. Most of us just follow God. Caleb followed God fully. And because he followed God fully, he had, as number says, a different spirit. So what was it about Daniel that made him have an excellent spirit? I've written down three or four things. Number one, he was a man of prayer. He was a man of prayer. Prayer turns you and turns me into being a friend of God. You, you create friendships by talking. Prayer makes you more in tune with God. Prayer creates and continues communication with God. Prayer brings blessings. My mother used to say, keep in with God. And in fact, it was my grandmother that used to say it. And my mother used to say, that doesn't seem right, keeping in. I don't like keeping in with people. Oh, she says, mark my words, keep in with God. Because prayer brings blessings. Prayer brings excellence. Prayer brings a soft spirit and a hard faith. And if you want to be recognized as having an excellent spirit then begin to pray. Because prayer connects you to excellence. There's nothing mediocre about heaven. When we get to heaven, we will be blown away. Blown away with where God resides. 
or what he's done for us, what he's created for us, the mansions he's built for you and the mansions he's built for me, we will be blown away. Anything you see here as a mansion is a tent in heaven. It's just nothing. You understand? He's a God of more than enough, remember. So prayer connects you to that excellence. So Daniel knelt and he prayed three times a day. Chapter 6 verse 10 says, As was his custom since early days, he prayed and gave thanks. He'd been doing this for years. I wonder how my conversation with God's going. I wonder how your conversation with God's going. Is it dry? You'd rather sing than pray. You'd rather listen to some music than pray. Is it forced pray? Is it one-sided? Does God ever speak? Or, or you think, I just never hear from him. I just repeat some things and our Father, out in heaven, hallowed be the name. Right, off to work. See, prayer with God should be a conversation through the whole day. It's not, this is my God slot, and it's important to, to have a time where you get together. But continue the conversation the whole day. I know a number of you do. Does he walk with you in the cool of the day? Like he did with Adam and Eve. Just walking and talking. He's your friend. You you won't have a friend for so long if you don't talk to them. You really won't. You won't get to know your friend if you don't speak to them. What sort of friendship it is if they just talk at you. I have people sometimes who phone me. I don't mean church related at all. And I lift the phone and it boom, 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 boom. Right, I must be going. I thought, you don't know me. You've never asked one thing about me. And that, but that's how we treat God, isn't it? I've got five minutes, God. This is it. Listen, this, this is important. Boom, 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 boom. Right, leave it with you. Goodbye. See you. And God's going, do we wait around long enough to hear from him? Just imagine the amazing times that Daniel had with God. Just the conversation. Just amazing. Just, just imagine that. Just imagine the tension in Daniel's life and in his walk with God when he sees the writing and then he learns what the interpretation is. You see, we read the stories in the Bible, but we don't get into Just imagine how he felt. Just, just imagine your kingdom is going to be divided. You're going to die. How would you like to prophesy that to, to someone? Just imagine the, the, the conversation with Daniel and God. This is the interpretation. Whoa, Lord, I can't, I can't say that to the king. Come. This was a crazy journey for Daniel in prayer. Is your walk with God sometimes crazy? Would you just do this for me today? Whoa, Lord, I don't know if I can do that. Yeah, I just want you to bless them. Whoa, I don't, oh, I don't, I don't know. Just go and speak to that. I've never spoken to them for years. Why would they wouldn't want me to go and speak? To them. No, just go and have a, Do you understand that ongoing 
relationship with God where he asks you to do great things and he asks you to do difficult things. That's what a relationship is with a husband and wife. Sometimes Susan says, can you do this? And that's the very thing I, I want to do. She never asked me ever, can you just go and watch the football? <laughs> she never ever says that to me. You understand? But she might say, can you go to Asda or Morrison's or can you go here or, or do that or phone them up or write to them or things I don't want to do, but I do. You understand? So the relationship with Daniel and his God was going back and forth, back and forward, back and forward. Is our relationship with God going back and forward? When's the last time God asked you to do something difficult and you did it? Just let you let sit with you for a second. Where he says, go and do this. I'll let you into a secret. Many years ago, about over 30 years ago, I uh, drove out of my... Uh, this guy used to park his old car... Um, across the road from our house, and he used to, the, the the roads in this estate was was um, how would you put it slim, and so um, I was going out <laughs> as is my want for a takeaway on a Saturday night, and uh, he had parked his old and it literally was an old banger had parked it across from our drive, and so I whizzed out reversing out of our drive and clipped this old banger of a car. I looked at the car and thought, well, it's just another mark. If there's any mark there at all, it's just one more mark. So I thought, it's raining, just go. And so I went on. And, uh, but every time I drove past that car or saw that car, God showed me the small bump that I had made over and over and over and over again. So one day we were sitting in Calvary Christian Fellowship and we were watching uh, uh, be a tape or a, a video in those days of Selwyn Hughes, some of you know Selwyn Hughes. And he was talking about going deeper with God. And he said, I want you to do something radical. I want you to uh, ask God. He says, there's no point in going back to every sin you've ever committed and putting it right. But I want you to ask God to sh- for him to show you three things that you need to put right in your life. And uh, I thought, well, I don't know whether I was simple-minded or <laughs> just not paying attention, I'd, but I decided to pray, Lord, Lord, show me three things that you want me to put right. First thing was something with my mother and father. Second thing, I can't remember what it was. Third thing was this neighbor who we had never spoken to across the road. This old banger, God says, remember that mark? Well, that mark's long gone. Yeah, he's still got the car though, hasn't he? And every time I'm driving past, I see this car. And I saw, so being a faithful and good husband, I said to Susan what God had told me. And uh, I can't remember what Susan said. But I agonized for days, for weeks. I think it was weeks, it wouldn't be months. For days and weeks, whether I could go across the road to this chap I'd never spoken to him ever since we, he, he was there before we were. And all the years that we'd been there, a few years, never spoken to him. For me to tell him, I damaged your car, and I should have told you, and I didn't. Because God had told me to, you see. So I went, you're all waiting to see what he said, aren't you? <laughs> this will cost you 50 quid. No. 
went to the door. And uh, I said, oh, I said, hi, we're from uh, across the road. I must say, it took, it took me an age to do it. But one day, we drove in from Asda. I remember it clearly. We drove in from Asda, and I said to Susan, I'm going to do it now. You know how you suddenly get that? I'm doing it now, before I can talk myself out of it. So I went across the road. As I knocked the door. He came to the door. I was hoping he was going to be out, but he was in. And he, I said, hi, I'm Jack uh, from across the road. We've been living there a while and so forth. Nice to meet you. I said, I just wanted to tell you something. I said, I should have told you earlier and told them what happened. Oh, he says, don't worry about that. I said, no, but I am worried about it. Trust me. <laughs> I am worried about it. I just want to say I'm sorry. I said, and if I can put it right, <laughs> this battered old cloud, if I can put it right, then... Uh, he says, oh, no, 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 it's, it's an old banger. Just don't worry about it at all. And I walked away from that free, liberated. He, to him, it was nothing. To me, because of my relationship with God, it was everything. And that day, I went through a barrier with God. You understand? I just went through a, a barrier. And his relationship with me grew closer and close, closer, because I had done what he'd asked me to do. So in our prayer journey with God, it should be like that. And it gets uncomfortable at times. I can't tell you, it just does. Because they might say, you know that person at work, across the desk, across the room, can you just go and tell them something, and this is the message, or whatever it is. Yeah, but God, I've never blown my cover in this. Yeah, but today's the day. Understand, And that just engages you with God even more than you were before. So Daniel had that sort of relationship. And he had done it before and he did it again. So he told them the prophecy, the heavy prophecy. And of course it came true. Because he had a communication, open communication with God. And people will come to you if they know you've got God's ear. They will, either knowingly or unknowingly. Excellence will make even royalty come to you. King Darius, King Nebuchadnezzar, came to Daniel because he had an excellent spirit. I heard the other day there, Princess Diana had a well-known, if I said the name of the speaker, some of you would know who it was, an excellent, well-known speaker's tapes and videos and DVDs, whatever it is, before her death, she was watching them. You see, royalty will come to excellence. It just will. Because royalty needs as much as the poor people need. And when they see excellence, when they see authenticity, when they see God working in someone's life, they will come to you. So Daniel stood in the gap between royalty and God. Between a king and between the king of kings. So an excellent spirit is nurtured in private and revealed in public. You can't have an excellent relationship with God and for no one to know. You can't. You can't do it. It'll break out somewhere. In some situation. Somehow. It's nurtured in the small things before the big things. An excellent spirit always needs feeding and it always needs nourishing. You don't get an excellent spirit and then you just live off that. You've got to keep feeding it. 
and nourishing it. It takes work, it takes dedication, it takes patience, it takes time. Three times a day, he prayed. So it takes work, it takes hard work, it takes sacrifice, it takes going without, it takes courage. See, when you start that relationship with God, that conversation with God, he's going to test you. How much do you want this? How much are you going to run after me? I'm going to hide myself a little bit and see if you still come for me. Do you understand? That's what happens. He plays a game sometimes. Where are you, God? I can't feel you. I can't sense you. You haven't spoken to me, Lord. Where are you? <laughs> I'm hiding. You understand? You see, have they got the faith to believe I'm still here? He tests our courage. He opened the windows. When everybody says, you can't pray to any other God for 30 days, he said, hang that. Doors open, windows open. I'm praying three times a day. Prayer was so vital to Daniel, not even a king's decree wasn't going to change it. And he got that courage by praying. And when he prayed, he got courage, which made him courageous. A Christian man or woman who prays regularly will always be more courageous than the one who doesn't. So Daniel was a man with an excellent spirit because he was a man of prayer. Secondly, he was a man of purpose. He was a man of purpose. It says in chapter 1 verse 8, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Right at the beginning of Daniel, that's what he says. I will not defile myself. A solid character will reflect itself in consistent behavior and a solid purpose. So right from being young, this man of God, this man with an excellent spirit had a purpose. And the purpose was he was going to be true to God, to be loyal to God. And purpose produces a number of things for your future. If you have a purpose, that purpose will give you strength. The reason the Freedom Center is still going after 14 years is we had a purpose. Purpose produces loyalty. Purpose produces an anchor in your life. You can't just float off any old place when you have a purpose. Ask any mother who's got a baby and a toddler and a child. They have a purpose. And so therefore, when you have a purpose, that makes you Remain. You might feel like walking away, putting the baby down and walking out. Uh, that's another thing. But you, you, that purpose gives you anchorage. It gives you resilience. Miles Monroe said, the greatest tragedy in life is not death, but it's a life without purpose. You understand? And flaky people never have a purpose. Alice in Wonderland the cat says, where are you going? Alice says, which way should I go? The cat says, that depends on where you're going. Alice says, I don't know. The cat says, then it doesn't matter where you go. No purpose. Strong, excellent people have a purpose. The purpose of life, Leo Rustin says, is not to be happy. 
I just want to be happy. Who's going to make me happy? I just want to be happy. The purpose of his life is not to be happy, but to matter. To be productive. To be useful. To have, to have it make some difference that you lived at all. That someone's thankful that you lived. So make your work in keeping with your purpose. And when we pray consistently, we, do, we discover two things. We discover God's purpose and we discover our purpose. That's what we get when we pray consistently. God's purpose and our purpose. We discover the reason God wanted us born. You're only here because he has a purpose for your life. That's why you're here. Otherwise, you'd be in eternity. He must have a purpose for your life because you woke up this morning and you drew breath and you opened your eyes and you saw something. Whatever you saw, that's your purpose. The purpose is you were born to have a purpose and therefore you're still living because you still got a purpose for you. What's your purpose? So when we pray consistently, God says, I'll give you my purpose and I'll give you your purpose. Most of us, most Christians don't pray consistently. So most Christians don't have a purpose. God doesn't produce anything worthless. He didn't produce me just to, well, throw him into the world and see how it goes. <laughs> just let, just let, I'm fed up with him here in heaven, in heaven. Just throw him down there and let him get on with it. No, he had a purpose for my life. And if he's got a purpose for my life, trust me, he's got a purpose for your life. You're not here by chance. You're not still alive by chance. You don't have the husband, the wife, the job, the house by chance. God has a purpose for us. And it's our job as we have that conversation with him to discover what our purpose is. And that sometimes feels like that sort of journey, in and out and in and out and in. And and then one day you suddenly discover what your purpose is. Daniel prayed and he discovered discovered God's purposes and he discovered his purpose for his life. God's purpose was to judge these kings. Daniel's purpose was to be God's spokesman to the king. So God raised them up to that place. God will always raise you up to the place where you are meant to be. And he calls us to be excellent. Because excellence gets God's attention. His eyes roam round the world. 2 Chronicles 16 verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to, just imagine it, and fro throughout the whole earth. To show himself strong. On behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. He's looking for friends. He's looking for loyalty. He's looking for a conversation. He's looking for a connection. Proverbs 15 verse 3. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere. Oh Lord. Keeping watch on evil and good. Judges evil. Rewards good. And what was true of Daniel... An excellent spirit was true of Moses. God's purpose was to set the Jews free from Egypt. Moses' purpose was to lead them to that freedom. 
How long did it take Moses to discover his purpose? Sometimes it takes years. Exodus 9 verse 16, Pharaoh thought he was in charge. And then God told him he'd raised him up as a ruler for his own purpose. God said to, God said to Pharaoh, But indeed for this purpose I have raised you, Pharaoh, up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name will be declared in all the earth. God was saying to Pharaoh, You think you're making some choices. See, politicians and kings and queens are like Pharaoh. They think they are in charge. God says, no, I'm just raising you up to show my power. He says, actually, your stubbornness is going to show me in my greatness. God had a purpose. And people come against his purpose. God, people will always come against you and your purpose. Don't expect to get a purpose and then everybody's to clap you as you walk past with you. With your purpose. They won't. They'll stand against you. And God uses those people to, do, to discover just how passionate you are about that purpose. Did it with Moses. Did it with Daniel. But he'll use that purpose to realize his will in our lives. What's your purpose? Dan was a man of Daniel was a man of prayer. He prayed three times daily. Daniel was a man of purpose. And when Darius issued the decree that there was going to be no prayer for 30 days in this place, Daniel just kept to his purpose. See, purpose gives you a backbone. So he went upstairs. He opened the windows towards Jerusalem and he prayed openly. It gave him courage. Number three, Daniel was a man of Perception. Perception. Daniel, I'm not saying much about this because time's nearly gone, but Daniel could perceive stuff. He had insight. He saw clearly. He had clarity of vision. Women often have perception. Men (laughs) often don't have perception. That's why you husbands, your wives, will say, your wives will take you to one side and say, let me just tell you what was going on there. <laughs> oh, really? Whoa. You understand? Let me just tell you. Sit down, sucker, and let me just tell you what was going on. But Daniel was not your usual man. He, he was, had an excellent spirit. He perceived stuff. He had insight. He saw clearly And what he perceived was, I'm serving this king, but ultimately I'm serving the king of kings. And perception lets you see true reality. This perception here should tell you, this is just a passing through phase, 70, 80, 90 years. This is gone. Just nothing. The things that you quarrel about, argue about, complain about, they're just rubbish. Nonsense. Stop complaining about nonsense. Stop arguing about nothing. As we have got more and more married over the years, we can, we can spot an argument coming within seconds and both of us just say, oh, forget it. Can't be bothered. You understand? It's, it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. And, but often we are we're on the phone. Did you know? Did you know? Emails, Facebook, LinkedIn. Twitter, you understand. 
you know, sang that song and not, not that song. And it's just nonsense. It's absolute nonsense in terms of eternity. Daniel had an excellent spirit and he was perceptive. Perception will lead you to promotion. He became the top governor in the whole nation. Perception's insight into people, managers, and bosses and leaders will pay you for insight. That's why sometimes they bring in, what do they call them? Um, you'll know, Richard, somebody who comes into a business and gives a, sorry? A consultant. Because they're looking for an insult, an insult, an insight. <laughs> they don't want that in the wall, do they? <laughs> You're a rubbish MD and you should resign. No, I doubt they'll ever say that. But they want insight into how that business is being run. And so the, the consultant comes in and he hopefully has perception. He says, you shouldn't be doing that. You should be doing this. Give up that. Start doing that. And they pay good money for perception. Lastly, Daniel was a man of power. When you pray, you get power. You do. You do. You get power when you pray. You get power when you have a purpose. You get power when you're perceptive. And we all know the saying, don't we? Power corrupts absolute. Power corrupts absolutely. Yes, it does in the flesh. It does. Without prayer, without purpose, without perception, that is a very true saying. But power anchored in prayer, power linked to a purpose, power attached to perception, that power gets the job done. Daniel was such a man. He was a man of power. He had power because God trusted him with power. And because God trusted him with it, a king trusted him. You understand? You'll never get and keep power until you earn God's trust. I'll say that again. You will never get and keep power until you earn God's trust. No managing director, no chairman, no manager, no boss will ever give power to someone they do not trust. Why would you? You don't do it. So they'll, they'll never give that person power. But Daniel was a man of power. And he had power because God trusted him. A king trusted him with it. That's what every politician is asking you and I for just now. And will do for the next coming weeks, won't they? Give me power. Give me power. And ultimately, you'll decide... Do I trust him or him or her or her or whoever it is? You'll decide, do I trust them? Do I trust them? Power is dangerous. You know that politically. Whatever way you think about politics, you'll, you'll decide one way or the other. Power is dangerous in the wrong hands. If you don't believe that, try and hand over a live wire and see what happens. Power needs insulation. We know that from putting any, anything electrical on. 
And the, the insulation with Christian power, spiritual power, is prayer, purpose, and perception. And it's only then is your power safe. So ask yourself in the local elections, in the general election, does who I am voting for, do they pray? Do they have a purpose? Do they have perception? And if they do, then consider giving them the power. Time's gone. I want to finish with just one thought. A man or a woman with an excellent spirit, however high that they rise, whether it's like Daniel to the highest in the land, or whatever it is in your job or location or whatever, however high they rise or whatever difficulty or pain that they go through, will ultimately draw people to you and my God. A man with an excellent, or a woman with an excellent spirit, will draw people to Jesus and to God. You will, I promise you. Verse 16, so the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel, and they cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, I love this. This is a king who doesn't know his God, and he says to Daniel, Daniel, your God, whom you serve continually, I love that word continually, he had an excellent spirit, so he served God continually, he will deliver you. He will deliver you. Continuity brings reward. Continuity brings admiration. Continuity brings your purpose into being. Then he says, King Darius, he wrote this, which is an amazing decree to all peoples, nations, languages that dwell on the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree, he says, that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and he rescues. This is a non-Christian saying this. And he works signs and he works wonders in heaven and on earth. He has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. You see, when you've got an excellent spirit, when you have a conversation with God going on, God will use that relationship that he has with you to get people who don't even know him to say how wonderful you are and to say how wonderful your God is. I mean, that is an amazing, to all peoples of the nations and languages that dwells on the whole earth, peace. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear because of me? No, because of the God of this guy who has got an excellent spirit. He's a living God. He's going to be steadfast forever. His kingdom, just just decree this over the nations and the world as we live in now. His kingdom, God's kingdom, is the one which shall not be destroyed. His dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers, he rescues, and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. 
who he has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. And what he's done for Daniel, he can do for you. So the, the, the chapter is finished off, verse 28. So this Daniel, and this is my last P, he prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So Daniel had prayer, he, had, he was a man of purpose, he was a man of perception, he was a man of power. And after all the trials and after all the journey he had with God, Daniel prospered. For more information about our church or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcentre.com.